today, I think the things that we're going to talk about are going to help you. I know that you're going to hear at least one thing that God's going to speak to you and you're going to say, okay, I got my one thing and I'm excited that you're here. So would you help me please um, welcome one of my best friends, Pastor Obed Martinez of Destiny. Come on, Pastor Obed. Thank you, Pastor Y'all can be seated today. Thanks, Pastor Obed, for being part of this podcast. Yeah. Normally, uh, we were originally were just going to do this in the room. And so last Tuesday, I said, what would happen if we just brought in a worship team and turned it into a worship night? So last Wednesday, we decided we would have a worship night, invite people to come and be part of a live podcast, but also so that God could speak to you in a unique way. Uh, the podcast, The Road to Restoration is on. You can watch it on YouTube. Every week we load a new podcast, but I specifically asked Pastor Obed to join me because Pastor Obed has been helping people for years, over 25 years of ministry. Give it up for Pastor Obed. You've been helping me, well, athletes heal physically because you were doing that for years, uh, ministering around the world, now pastoring multiple campuses. So Pastor Obed, today, I want to open up with the verse, and I want us to talk about uh, the journey of personal growth. Mm. Uh, and I want to read this verse from the book of Genesis, chapter 38. Mm. And because the word breakthrough is used often, right? Right. And so I want to read this, and, and I hope it'll launch us. It says, now it came to pass, this is Genesis 38 verse 27 now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold twins were in her womb mm. and so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying this one came out first then it happened everyone say then it happened then it happened then it happened. The Bible says, as he drew back his hand, that his brother came out unexpectedly. Everyone say unexpectedly. Unexpected. And the midwife said, how did you break through? Wow, that's powerful. The midwife is watching the twins that are in tomorrow. Yeah. And watches that the first son puts his arm out and she puts a thread around it saying this is firstborn. Right. But as he's putting his hand out, he quickly pulls back. Yeah. So you could be called to come out, but it doesn't mean you'll come out. Fear can pull you back. Yeah, yeah it's good. And then it says unexpectedly. And that's the word. Mm -hmm. I believe that God's into those unexpected moments. Unexpectedly, the second son puts his hand out and comes out first. Mm. And the midwife, the only way that she could respond to this phenomena is to ask a newborn baby right. as if though the baby was going to respond. Right. But she's overwhelmed and she asked the quintessential question that I think all of us want to know. How did you break 
through. Yeah. Yeah. How did you break through? Yeah. And I think in life, that's still a question we're asking. Yeah. How do we break through? Yeah. How do we go from here to there? Yeah. How do we grow from being in a place where we're going through something versus growing through something? Yeah, so good. And so I've asked you to come and talk. Yeah. Pastor Obed, thank you for joining us. Can we give him another big round of applause? Yeah. Thank you. Honor to be here. Right. Big time. Honor to be here. So blessed. This moment seems surreal. During worship, I wanted to kind of um, take in the moment because this is almost full circle. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I'm just honored to be here. I think we have a lot to talk about when it comes to breakthrough. And I think when it comes to really growth in the gap, because everybody is where they are. They all have a desire where they want to be. But most people don't know how to master the margin. Mm. They don't know how to master the gap. And that's where the fight and the tension really is. That's where the real growth takes place. In between where you are and where you need to be, that 100%. gap. Yeah, and that's where your growth takes place. Like, you, know, you, you mentioned it when it came to you know, a caterpillar evolving into a butterfly. The greatest tension takes place in the cocoon because it's trying to figure out what it's becoming because it's mastered what they've always known to be. And so it's always this identity kind of a uh, thing, right? It's, it's when you think about it, I, I, uh, all my life I, I knew how to crawl and now I'm discovering that I got wings and now I can probably fly. And all my life I looked up to people and now I'm gonna have the capabilities to look down at people. And so it's a, it's, it takes on a different mindset and most people just don't know how to, how to, to master that. And part of that is, is the fact that when you look at the first thing that God gave man, it was identity. The first thing that was attacked in the garden was identity. The first attack of Jesus was identity. All of it is attached to the purpose that goes along with your identity. So when we don't know what we're becoming, and this tension takes place, it's when we doubt our purpose, our calling, we doubt the things that at one time we were very certain and we had assurance in. And, 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 and this is what I tell people all the time. It, it, it should be the fact that you are less concerned about where you're going and more concerned about when you're becoming. Say that one time. Say that again. You know, because God has our future. Yes. There's nothing you can do to, to you know, when he, when he delivered the children of Israel and in Egypt, the promised land was already there. The gold and the silver, it was already there. So it's less about where you're going, right? The steps of a good man are order of the Lord. Those who are, led, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It's more about who you're becoming. I think that's what we need to focus on. And I think a lot of times, because we're anxious to get there. Yeah. We're frustrated. Like, um, the other day I watched a Chargers game. How many Charger fans do I have here? Okay. I was really frustrated, but then I realized, hold it. In this game, the Chargers win at the end. Right. So third quarter, it didn't look good. Mm. And I was just thinking about it. So many times in life, uh, we're in the third quarter of our life, and we have no idea that Jesus says, I've already won. Mm -hmm. You're going to win. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage people today with you, Pastor Obed, to not give up in the process. Mm -hmm. 
Because when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, um, it's disoriented. It doesn't know. All it knows is to crawl. And then it's hidden for a while. And I think when you're in that place where God has you in the cocoon, it can go a lot of ways. I mean, you can end up shortening the process and end up being a grasshopper. You know what I mean? Right? You could get out of the cocoon early and, and become something that you weren't called to be. And I think that's, I think that's what defined a true leader. A true leader is not based on how many followers they have. A, a true leader is based on how do they handle process? Ooh. How do they handle transition? How do they handle the, the gap? And, you know, Paul uses it twice. He talks about it, about your spirit in first Corinthians, second Corinthians 5, 17. The old things have passed away. Then he talks about your soul with the Romans chapter 12, right? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Th those same words are metamorphosis. It's the, it's the evolution from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's the first stage of a caterpillar, they're on the ground. That represents Egypt. While, they're in the, while he's in the cocoon, that represents the wilderness. Mm. And then all of a sudden, when he's a butterfly, that represents the promised land. Yes. And, and, and so when you think about the gap, you think about the wilderness. And this is what we have to understand. And that is that we don't determine our wildernesses, but we do determine how long we stay there. Mm. Right? It was supposed to take them 11 days. That was God's plan. It took them 40 years. That was the fact that they didn't know how to master the crisis. Wow. And I think that's what truly, like I'm never enamored at a leader's gift. It doesn't, it doesn't enamor me. It doesn't enamor me. They're, they're following, they're following or, they're, or they're anointing. What really, what really attracts me to leaders is how they handle process. Yeah. If you can handle process and you can handle transition, you will always have transformation as the evidence of what you do. That's a good place to clap right there. Yeah. And that's a very big choice. Wow. It, it, I feel that's what, what really, you know, what defines a leader is, is when you're in that gap and you, you, you only know what you, you only know where you, you only know what to do from where you came from. You really don't know what to do on where you're going. Yeah. And this is where self-doubt sets in. Can I do this? Do I have what it takes to make it happen? Because it's all speaking to where you're going. And I think at the end of the day, where you really grow the most is in the process. Yes. I think oftentimes we avoid the process. Oh yeah. We want to skip steps. And when we skip steps, uh, God makes sure that we take those steps over. Yeah. And so, uh, because everyone's destiny is so important. Your destiny is so important. Yeah. Every one of you. Your destiny is so important because it's linked to people. Mm -hmm. And the enemy wants to divert us from our destiny with the hopes that we'll give up so that we never become who we're supposed to be to help the people that we're called to help. Yeah. And oftentimes, we want God to use us, but we don't want Him to be in charge of the process on how He prepares us to be used. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we, we get stuck, and a lot of people get stuck. We all have been stuck. Pastor, but talk about helping someone become unstuck. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and that's a great question. And it's also a great opportunity for me to say this because we're in this right now, we're in this moment. 
The one thing that I admire about you is the fact that during this whole process, you did it right. And, 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 and people can hear things. I was involved in it. 16,000 pastors leave the ministry every year. Listen to this, 16,000 pastors leave the ministry every year. 0.02% return. I'm in it right now with a few guys. They want to return. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that the church, we celebrate the rising of the prodigals, but we don't celebrate the rising of leaders. We were celebrate that. We didn't allow us the leaders who have fallen, but we forget the fact that they're a person before they are a leader. It's so And so a person isn't measured by their fall. Well, people sit there and say, well, Pastor Obed, I, I would disagree with that because when you're thinking of a leader, you know, too much, too, too, too much is given, more is required. I would agree on that. But when you fall, if, Balkan, if me and you fell on this floor, we would be at the same level. There's no level when you're on the ground. That's right. And then you gotta tell on somebody. And so, and so, we gotta get past this whole idea that we can only celebrate the rising of prodigals. People clap when prodigals come home. People clap, they roar, they, they, they give a shout when people who were once lost are found and come down the altars. We don't do that for leaders. It's why leaders don't return back to churches. And the reason why they don't return back to churches is because we, we, demon, we, we demonize the leaders for what they did. And we forget that at the end of the day, they can rise too. Think about this. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you how good the devil is. Think about this. David fell, but his greatest part of his ministry took place in after he rose. Peter said, Jesus says, take me to the disciples and Peter. Peter's greatest ministry came after he fell and he rose. Think of Paul. Paul fell, but if Paul would have never risen, we would not have three quarters of New Testament theology today. See, we, we got to understand that, the, that, and I'm going to prophesy this to you, your greatest days are ahead of you. I'm telling you, you haven't seen nothing yet. So there was God forced to do, he remastered the process. You submitted to authority. You submitted to your leaders. I told you no about 50 times. He did. He drove hours each week just to be in the house of God. You didn't, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for people to fill your gas tank. There was something inside of you that said, I blew it, but my rising is going to be better than my fall. We need more of you. We need more leaders like that. Listen, I would rather trust a leader that knows the ground. That all we know is the mountain time. That's scary. That's a scary thing because I always, I, I say it all the time. The problem with the church is that we platform the popular. Yeah. 
Yeah. But not to prove it. Get the COVID up there. Get me a pastor that's been in ministry for 35 years and still has two other people in his church, but he's been in ministry for 35 years. I'm gonna listen to that guy rather than somebody that's been in ministry for two years and got 10,000 people in his church. First of all, you didn't win 10,000 people, you just took them from another church. <laughs> so, it's important that we understand that in going to your question about being unstuck, right? Because again, someone like yourself could have remained stuck. Okay, because you go from being the villain to the victim. Right? And then you don't know victory, right? Then you go from, I disappointed myself, I disappointed others, and I just don't want to face it no more. I don't think anybody desires to stay stuck. I think the voices on the outside are too stronger than the one that's on the inside. Wow. And I think that they're intimidated to show up or they're intimidated to come out or they're intimidated to rise up. The devil keeps on saying, you can't be this. You won't get there. You don't have what it takes. Your, your best days are behind you. That's the voices that are around you. The Holy Spirit is the one, is the voice that's on the inside of him. He's a phony and he's cut it forward where God is taking you. And so to me, the best way to get unstuck is stop listening to the voices in your head. Yeah. And start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's in your heart. Hey, Amen. Come on, guys, please give God praise. Oh, well, Jerry. I think a lot of times, too, um, if we're going to help people get unstuck, we have to be willing to be honest of when we were stuck. 100%. Because I think um, everybody wants to tell the story of victory, but the hardest story to tell is when you're not feeling victorious. And I think in my process, I had to learn to be okay with accepting that I'm not okay. Yeah. Because as a pastor, you're constantly a voice of hope and encouragement. Mm -hmm. But there comes a moment, I remember when God told me, Sergio, right now, you don't need to preach to anyone. You don't have anyone to speak to. Right now, you need to be hurt and let yourself be hurt. Mm -hmm. Stay here. And I was like trying to wiggle out of it as fast as I can because it's awkward, it's lonely, it's honest. You, 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 you can't preach it away, you can't buy it away, you can't Instagram it away, it's happening. Yeah, paid is the equalizer. Yes, and when you're in that moment, it feels like you're stuck forever. And I want to say this to, to, to someone that's here, to someone that's watching, because I remember being in my room with God, and it was just me, God, and my Bible. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, it's me, God. Okay, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do my journaling. And I remember there was this moment that I said, God, how long is this going to take? And I would keep asking, how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? And I realized that he would tell me, it's going to take until you stop asking me how long it's going to take. And when I got honest about how fast I wanted to get back is when I think I started valuing the new pace of life. I started valuing, hold it. There's something in this season, in this pace, that is necessary. 
even though I don't want to be stuck here. Uh, you start learning things that you couldn't learn when you're moving so fast. Start becoming more self-aware. Like, oh, I said that. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, since you're at this place, let's start restoring some relationships. And he starts bringing back to memory, like, do you remember when you said that to that person? Oh, yeah, I remember that. He goes, yeah, so why don't you make that phone call? Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Let's make that phone call. So I remember there was this one day, <laughs> I made a list of all these phone calls I had to make. And I was like, God, I feel like I'm in an AA program right now. And it was beautiful because I was able to understand God never wastes time. You know, I think, I, think the, I think the Achilles heel of this generation is that exactly what you're talking about is that we, they value speed more than direction. Mm -hmm. They, they want to get there fast. And so because of that, they're willing to get there unprepared. And that's why they never last when they get there. And I think that that's something that we got to understand when it comes to mastering the process. Listen, God puts that desire inside of you of what's next in your life, right? We always know that God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. Mm. So there's, there is a desire in us. I tell people all the time, don't allow your ambition to get ahead of your purpose because you'll land up getting there. That's not your job, that's God's. Your job is to make sure you get there prepared because God doesn't, God's desire is not to just get you there. God's desire is to keep you there. And, 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 and so, and so if I got to do whatever I have to do as I am always in the process, I'm always in the gap of something in my life. I'm always having to repent. I'm always having to check my relational status, right? Faith works through love. Most people don't have a faith problem. They have a love problem. So God deals with that love inside of you, right? But then at the end of the day, it's like, God, it's not about me getting there. I really know I'm going to. So what do I have to do to stay there? Yes. I want the capacity. I want the character. And I want the confidence that enables me to stay there. I think some people go, oh, well, you know, we say the anointing will get you there, but character will keep you there. Well, you just don't need character. You need capacity. Yes. And you need competency. Yes. And that comes with the stretching of the process. Yes. Right? It comes with God enlarging you, breathing more of his spirit inside of you to make you larger so you can hold more because you're getting more when you get into what's next in your life. And so... That is something that I think as ambitious leaders as we are, we're, we're go-getters. Our Achilles heel is if we're not careful, we would want to get there fast, but unprepared. Well, that is so good. And think about the church, right? Think about, I mean, think about, think about Cornerstone, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you went from a tent to a building and you didn't go like, you didn't do this. You went this, right? And I would always tell you, hypergrowth is scary, right? Yeah. And so what happened was, God got you there. Yeah. But were you prepared there? Right? And you were having to always try to, okay, we got, we got to get prepared. We got to get prepared. Yeah. We got to get prepared. And I think that's a valuable lesson with all of us and, and pastors that are listening to this podcast, leaders that are listening to this podcast, this is what you have to understand. And that is, 
Steady growth is healthy growth. Yes. Hyper growth is a swell. Yes. Which means there's something toxic. Yes. In it. And you want to stay away from that. Don't measure yourself by what other measurables you're putting on yourself. Measure yourself that I say this, people say, what's your goal in life? Oh, bad. I say this very simple. I have one goal. That's it. I want to be a better version of myself tomorrow than who I am today. Hey, that's, that's my wife's community. Um, I want to talk about the enemies of your destiny when you're going through the process of growth. So I wrote some things down uh, last year and I was going through my journal and I was thinking, okay, this I need to share. So, so these are three enemies of your destiny that I wrote down. This was uh, 2021. Number one, immaturity. Having to be the center of intention instead of Christ being the center of attention. Insecurity. The fear of losing control instead of trusting God. It's an enemy of our destiny. And then number three, inconsistency. Speaking and living inconsistent of what you claim to believe. So I want to say this. This is, this is like, I think, something that we could all learn from. Immaturity never knocks on the door and says, I'm here. But immaturity always shows up when you don't get your way. When you don't get your way, you're going to find out if you're immature. I remember Pastor Benny, um, I got an opportunity to be on KKLA radio and KPRZ simultaneously. They wanted me to do the, the drive time and be the DJ. So I thought, oh, this is great. I get to go be a DJ. And I'll never forget Pastor Benny and my board told me, no, don't do it. They said, Sergio, it's not time for you to do that. And in that moment, I realized I'm either going to be an immature brat right now, or I'm going to submit to the voice of a leader. Second thing I had to learn was insecurity. Because when you're a leader, you're in control. When you're a parent, you're in control at some level with your kids. But when you begin to realize that there is no such thing called control, it reminds you that you're never really secure unless you're secure that God is in control. And our insecurity always comes out when we're trying to control the outcome of something. And you know how many arguments I would have with, with my therapist about that. And he would say to me, Sergio, you're not in control. I says, I have to be, at least have some kind of control. And I'll never forget he told me. He says, how many years have you been preaching? I said, about 21 years. He goes, can you trust the God that you've been preaching about for 21 years? Wow. And we sign it. Right? And then the last one is inconsistency. I discovered something. I said, Sergio, I remember the Holy Spirit told me this. He said, Sergio, if the only time you were consistent is when you were speaking on stages, then maybe you were only consistent for people. But right now, I need you to be consistent for me. And what did that look like? 
God would ask me, did you read your Bible today, Sergio? Did you talk to me today, Sergio? Did you tie this week, Sergio? Did you go to church this week, Sergio? Did you encourage someone this week? I'll never forget, I was at Home Depot. And I was walking through the aisles, and you know, Home Depot's an interesting place. You see everyone there. <laughs> never forget this person walked up to me and said, Pastor Sergio! And that was the last thing I wanted to hear. <laughs> no! But then the Holy Spirit told me, but two years ago, if you would have heard that, would you have had the same response? He said, Sergio, they're calling you Pastor Sergio because I call you Pastor Sergio. So be consistent with people. Listen, pray with them in Home Depot. Listen to everything that's going on in their life. And they had no idea what was going on in my life. And the Holy Spirit said, if you're only consistent when you're on the stage, yeah. you'll never understand the power of grace. And so these three enemies are real. So, so you guys, let's watch the areas of where we're immature, where we have to get our way. Let's watch the areas where we feel insecure and we start trying to control. Let's watch the areas of inconsistency. You guys, the only person that ever practiced everything they preached is Jesus. The rest of us preachers, we're trying one day at a time. Come on, somebody, be kind to us. But consistency ultimately is what brings trust. And I want to say this about restoring relationships. There are a lot of things you can do to restore relationship. But consistency is the biggest. Is the biggest. I think the, the, the two choices God gives us is remember when Eve was tempted in the garden, it was just a switch of two words. You know, the Bible says she was created to be God-like, but then Satan tells her, oh, you'll be like God. Yeah. Right, so it's just a twist of two words, but there's two different positions. God-like means I'm led. Like God means I'm in control. Mm. And so, the choice we have every day, this is a choice I make every day. When I wake up in the morning every day and I have my prayer time, I choose to be led. The best way to live a life where you're not in control is get to your rightful position and just be led. God never called me to be in control of anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in control of my family, but I'm led by God to lead my family. Yes. I'm not in control of my church, but I'm led by God to lead my church. I'm not in control of my business, I'm led by God to lead it. I always tell people, never follow a leader that's not being led. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I'm always, you know, if someone comes into my life and says, you know, wants to play a role in my life. One of the first questions I ask is, who's leading your life? Because if someone is leading your life, then you're asking me to do something that you're not doing, which means you're going to be controlling. Because someone who is not led is controlled. That's right. And so, so, so when we talk about insecurity, insecurity, the, the root of it is fear. The fruit of it is control. Oh. Fear of losing, not having the fruit then becomes control. And then all of a sudden it, 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 it shows up and manifests as insecurity. 
If you want to break insecurity, you do it every day by saying, Holy Spirit, lead my life. Yes. I just want to be that today. If God knows where we're going, and it's less about where I'm going, more about who I'm becoming, I just have to be led. Yes. Led means I'm not in control. Yes. And today, I want you and I to lead people to be led again. Again. Who wants to be led again? Amen. And he needs to be led again. So I'm going to ask us all to stand today. I'm going to ask us to stand today. Wow. Today, I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and just lift our hands right now. God, all of us at some point of our life have wanted to see you manifest and become the God who is in control. Father, today, all of us desire to give you control. And as we close our eyes and lift up our hands, today, we make a bold declaration that Jesus, you are in control. We submit to you our families. We submit to you our destinies. We submit to you our businesses. We submit to you our finances. We submit to you our bodies. We submit to you our relationships. We submit to you our futures. And we say, God, you have permission to lead us and direct us. Father, we do not want to be stuck in the process. We want to become the butterfly that you've called us to be, the monarch that you've called us to be. We want to resurrect and be free to be the new person that you've called us to be. We're done with the old wineskin. We want the new wine. We want to be the new wineskin. We want what is coming. We want what is next. So today, yeah, we surrender. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I'm ready to release to you all that has held me back, my arguments, my anger, my hurt, my confusion, my sin. Today, I give you permission to take control. I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me thoroughly, my mind and my heart. I give you permission to transform my heart. Every broken piece, I give you permission to heal my heart, to restore my soul, so that from this day on, I become the person you've called me to be. Holy Spirit, use my life. So today, devil, we serve you notice. You will not have our destiny. You will not have our families. You will not have our future. Jesus will be Lord of our life. Jesus is Lord of our life. Jesus is Lord of our future. Jesus is Lord of our family. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you the glory, the honor, the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Can we get a today?